Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to the 100th episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We've got a great show lined up for our 100th show here, almost three years into this thing now. Uh, we've got Lyle Richardson from Spectres Hockey on to talk about his website and, and things going on around the league. We're going to head down the Vegas lane, uh, look at the week that was in Vegas Golden Knights hockey. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Quinn Malarczyk. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. All right, hockey fans, here we go. We're off. We're going to kick off our 100th episode today. It's been a long trip coming this far. Uh, we appreciate all of our listeners and, and sponsors of the show along the way. Uh, shout out to Grandstand Sports Net, Russ Cohen and his Sportsology page, uh, always thehockeywriters.com. Uh, we've, we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Blog Talk Radio. And and thank you all for coming along on this journey with us. Let me bring in Chris, my co-host Chris Lisa, who writes for the Ion Isles Islanders website. Chris, good day to you, sir, and congratulations on knocking down a hundred of these things. Oh, back at you, buddy. And uh, I also want to, in addition to our listeners, uh, give a big shout out and thanks to all uh, all prior guests. We've got a new one today. Uh, I know one of them, Mr. John Ames, is listening to the show while doing some paperwork at home, and he's excited uh, for the show. Listen to the show right now. So, uh, anyway, I'm ready to go down the Vegas lane. Uh, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with uh, uh, the little losing streak going on, Brandon McNabb? No, uh, you pick. My no, friend. I don't. <laughs> Let's talk okay. about Brandon McNabb. Uh, Okay. It, it appears that that they're starting to identify the the group of guys in the in the room that they want to move forward with on a longer term basis. Uh, we know there's like 17 RFA UFAs at the end of the season, so the first the first domino to fall is to lock up uh, probably their most physical defender, um, Brad McNabb, to a four year deal, average average annual hit at 2.5, which is a pretty pretty decent deal um, with no state tax in Nevada. He's going to see nice little extra chunk of change by re-upping here in Las Vegas. And 
you know, he's happy to be here. When they were talking to him after his contract was announced, he wanted to stay here. Um, he likes what's being built here. He thinks this team is going to be uh, consistent, um, consistently built into a, a winning franchise, and he's very excited to be a part of it. So um, as, as I talk, you know, we, we texted back and forth uh, when, when they announced his signing, and I think this is the first in, in a group of, of guys that they have identified that they want to keep around, and, and this signing – it seems to indicate that with one little caveat, I was listening to uh, Brian Blessing's Vegas hockey hotline this week on the radio. And one of his guests made up a good point that if, if someone did want a solid four or five defenseman, uh, the term and the value of that contract is, is highly tradable. Um, they didn't handcuff anything by that. I don't believe that's the plan. I think they want Braden McNabb here for a while. But if it comes to the point, and I'll go back to uh, Jack Johnson re-signing with Los Angeles, he went in and negotiated his own deal without an agent because he wanted to be there. And then the following, <laughs> the following deadline, they trade him to Columbus for Jeff Carter. So uh, nobody, you know, the, the old saying in the league, if Wayne Gretzky can get traded, anybody can get traded. And the contract won't prohibit a move like that if something comes up where George needs to add an asset to it to close out a deal. But I think it's I think it's clear that they signed him because they want him to be a part of the of the franchise for the next four years. Uh, your thoughts on the signing, Chris? Yeah, I, I mean, I look at McNabb and obviously the, the fact that he came from the Kings. I know you know him well. Um, he, he's a real strong, what I would call a secondary player. And you know he's a, a great guy. If you have him on your third pairing D, you're doing you're doing really well. I mean he doesn't yeah. he turns 27 next month, so you're you're you know you're basically uh, buying years you know 27 to 30 here. Um, uh, you know 2.5 million, uh, good cap number for the team. Again, he's you know in, in a perfect world he's on your third pairing because. That makes your third pairing ever even better, you know. Um, sure. So, and he was a pending USA, so they've kind of checked off, you know, one of those boxes. You know, uh, the the one thing is, as we've talked about uh, a few times now, is with all these pending USAs, now I think they're down to eight of them. Um, you know, they're going to have to field the team, you know, next year. There's not going to be another draft in June, and you don't want to be in a position where you have to make trades or you have to go to the free agent market sign players you don't want to have to rush kids and things of that nature so uh this this one this one fit like a glove i think for both sides and uh it, it was a good step in the right direction for the franchise i i don't know if all of them are going to be this easy or this this, this uh uh that go this this well for both player and uh team side but uh they're off to a good start no, agreed. And we were we were talking earlier in the week too about what this, you know, what it does to the other UFAs that they might be interested in keeping around. And and you know, Neil's Neil's probably I know he's probably the fan favorite here in Vegas, but I he's got to be a piece that um, maybe maybe you look at moving unless he wants to take a little bit less than he'll get on the open market come come July first. Um, I'm sure you could get a first and a third and a prospect or a first and a second, maybe for him. Um, Chris, 
you were saying that you, obviously he's going to be in the the seven year six million dollar man category um bigger stronger faster uh, um but then we, we you know we talked about a couple of the other players i think Marsha's show becomes an interesting piece now because he's he's kind of a late bloomer he's only been in the league for a year and a little bit um i think he had 110 games experience and he's he's only a got at a $700,000 cap hit. So he's due a substantial raise uh, based on his one year of service. But I think that's where we got into a little difference of opinion on what kind of, of deal. I'm under the impression that, that you can't sign him and Neil for the same dollar amount. I don't think, I think Neil's body of work over his career in the NHL, if he's a seven year, $6 million man, and you're only looking at a, at a very small, sample size of, of Jonathan Marsha show. I, I think if they can get him for a three year, three, three and a half million bridge contract to make sure he can continue that, that pace through 30, 31 years old. Um, you seem to think that yeah, he can command more than that on the open market. Yeah. I think he's going to get a lease. I mean, you're right. Um, first of all, if he can back up reasonably, uh, let's say score between 20 to 25 goals, be a 50 plus point player, uh, you know, around a 50, a little over 50 points, you know, 50 point players in this league get, you know, they're going to get $5 million easily. Um, yes, he does not have the length of the career of a James Neal, uh, but he also is a few years younger than James Neal. And he's also, even though he's smaller, he's also a center. So, uh, you know, he's 20, he's 27, uh, I believe, uh, or he's going to be 27. So right. he's got certain pros on that. Uh, I mean, I think you're looking at, I mean, I think you're looking at probably at least a five-year, $5 million annual uh, cap hit uh, with him. And I, I'm not saying all the points you bring up are, are valid. Uh, are invalid. I, you're right. You're using your noodle. Uh, but as we have seen in... in Prior free agencies, even though the cap is crawling, we see how all the players' salaries are rising, and it only takes, you know, only takes one team. You know, I mean, like for instance, yeah, like sure. a team like Van, like Vancouver. I mean, uh, the Sedins are, are both up, um, so they'll, you know, and they they need some uh, secondary, you know, offense. Um, so they're, they're, I, I can get uh, Montreal's another team uh, that needs that needs offense. So. All it takes is that one team, um, you know, Neil will be an interesting case. And, again, Kyle Torres, you know, got six for 36. I mean, it's, you know, he's been a real good offensive player, but, I mean, uh, he's still got $6 million a year for six years. So that's that's a statement. I mean, T.J. Oshie at age 32 last year got eight years for almost $6 million a year. Kyle Oposo a couple of years ago got seven years for $42 million. I'm not saying all these were great moves, but this is what they got on the on the open market, and that's the key phrase, the open market. So, you know, time will tell. Let's see uh, both these. Let's see where the team is first. You know, come February. Not that I'm predicting any gloom or doom or anything like that, but before we put the the card into the horse, you know, we'll see what the team is at and how these players are producing. Uh, as long as they stay healthy, I'm sure they'll continue producing well and obviously it's going to come down to a decision that the organization is going to have to make in, in you know in, in a perfect world they would love to probably have both guys but 
is that going to be a poss- you know is that going to be a possibility if neither you know maybe because of the no state tax situation as you well know in Nevada that will enable them to leave a little bit money on the table but I don't I don't know how much you know uh, uh, money on the table I, I don't know if they're going to how much they'll be willing to take a lesser deal uh, but the other part is you know bird in the hand if someone offers you a five year contract on January first. Well, and you sign that contract. Well, that contract is valid now. You, you're guaranteed that money. It's a guaranteed contract. So, right. Um, a lot of things. A lot of things in play with with those two guys, especially. Uh, those are the two guys that are really going to be interesting calls, and we'll have to see how it all plays uh, plays out. Maybe with someone like Marcuso, maybe they can get him on a lesser number, but they'd be willing to give him, let's say, a six year deal. You know, uh, so that's something you can consider as well. Well, one thing it does do is it shows that uh, the, the you know, George McPhee is talking with agents. He's putting feelers out, you know, starting to craft the frameworks of some of these deals for the guys in the core that they've identified that they want to keep around. So by the time the deadline comes around, I believe that they're going to have a really good idea of, of you know, they, they'll probably have a, uh, at least one or two more signings, I would I would think. And then also they'll have a good idea of whether somebody is going to or not going to fit in the budget. And then that'll free them up to make the moves that they need to make at the deadline. Um, it's, it's interesting that uh, Braden McNabb was the first domino to fall, but but I don't expect him to be the last here in the next, uh, you know, you get that, that freeze around Christmas time. So if I'm thinking they might have one more deal in the pocket before Christmas and then come late January, early February, probably maybe one or two fall. And then you identify who's going to be available at the trade deadline. So um, kudos to Braden McNabb and uh, George Murphy for getting that first piece of, of the defense. <laughs> Excuse me. And I think in a perfect world, you want to, you want to do Colin Miller. You definitely want to do Nate Schmidt. Um, obviously, shaking the door. Um, so that that's a pretty good dynamic group of your three. Those, what you those, would want? Go ahead. Those guys. Those guys aren't UFAs, though. So they're you know. No, but you know, but when you're more, uh, what I'm what I'm saying is that when you're planning your your defense and your defensive signings, those three guys are going to be there. And they're more of a dynamic puck moving style defenseman than your Braden McNabb or your Derek England or your Lucas Pisa. So you, now you can start playing with your pairings and say, okay, let me get uh, Schmidt and McNabb comfortable playing with each other. And let me get uh, Derek England and, uh, you know, Theodore would be a nice pairing for them. So you start being able to play with your puck movers and your stay at home guys. And like you said, check the boxes of, uh, you know, left shot, right shot, puck mover, stay at home, physical, and, and start building that framework and building the chemistry of the group that is going to be going forward. That's, that's the point I was saying right there. And, and with those, those three guys, um, Miller, Schmidt, and Theodore obviously going to be around for a while. Now you start filling in the boxes around him, and I think Braden McNabb is a nice piece to start doing that with. And keep in mind, you're not just talking about next year's budget, but if you're signing someone to four, five, six years, you're talking oh, about sure. the next few years' budget, and then obviously taking into fact with someone like James Neal, who I want to say is 30, 31, uh, then you have to worry about, okay, well, if I sign him to a five-year deal, 
where is his production going to be in years four and five of that deal? Am I going to be hurting? You know, there's a, there's a lot of factors to take into account. Well, unfortunately, we don't have time right now to move into that three-game losing streak. Um, Lyle Richardson from Specters Hockey is on the line, and we're going to go ahead and bring Lyle in. Uh, Lyle, Lyle runs Specters Hockey. SpectersHockey.net is where you can find him, at Specters Hockey on Twitter. Lyle, good day to you, sir, and thank you for spending a little bit of your Saturday with us. Oh, it's my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, why don't you just start talking a little bit about SpectresHockey.net? Uh, you know, let the listeners know the, the background of the website and your relationship with the site and what they can expect to find when they do get onto SpectresHockey.net. Yeah, well, uh, SpectresHockey.net, uh, I started that up, uh, well, it'll be uh, next next. September will make it 20 years that I've uh, that the site's been uh, up and running. Um, you know, it's it's basically uh, I like to do a compilation of uh, the day's notable headlines, or at least the previous 24 hours' uh, notable NHL headlines. Um, you know, I also uh, go through all the uh, the, the uh, trade and free agent rumors compiled by the media. Um, and offer up my uh, my unique perspective on them, and uh, usually once a week as well. I also like to uh, to chime in on uh, you know just various other uh, NHL topics in in depth in in, in my soapbox. And uh, as a result of uh, my work with Spectres Hockey, I mean I've been able now to do freelance work. Uh, I worked for several years with Fox Sports, and uh, lately now you can find me doing the rumor roundup at the Hockey News, and uh, I also uh, contribute to uh, Bleacher Report as well man that sounds like a lot of fun and you got a, a super strong twitter following up uh, over thirty thousand followers now so he links all his content through his his twitter page so if anyone's interested in going to check out specters hockey or some of the content on there make sure you follow him at specters hockey um it's a great follow like he said it keeps you up to date on all the all the news notes and rumors from around the league and everybody likes a good trade rumor right <laughs> uh, that's uh, something I've, every hockey fan seems to like. In fact, uh, hockey fans seem to seem to be more interested in trading free agent rumors than fans and other sports are regarding uh, player movement in, within their own respective sports. So uh, it's certainly helping, uh, helping me earn a comfortable living. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, let's get into some of the, the trade speculation, if you will. Um, we were just talking about what Vegas is planning to do uh, or maybe planning to do as as they, you know, Current three-game losing streak notwithstanding, uh, definitely in comfortable position right now, second place in the Pacific. Um, and, and how, if anything, are you hearing that that might change Mr. McPhee's plans on who or what he's going to do at the deadline uh, concerning Neil, Perron, Marsh, Spita, et cetera? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, when when this season began, I mean, let's let's be honest. When the season began, the the widespread assumption was that uh, okay, this is an expansion club. They're not going to be anywhere. They'll they'll be out of playoff contention by Christmas, uh, and then they'll start uh, probably selling off uh, some of their pending top pending unrestricted free agents leading up to the February 26th trade deadline. But uh, this phenomenal start Whoops. that they've had, <laughs> Whoops. Uh, which is. All the more, all the more amazing when you consider their goaltending has been walloped yeah. by injury. Um, yeah. That speaks volumes to both uh, how well coached they are. I mean, Gerard Gallant has just done a phenomenal job. 
Um, he's my early favorite for, for Coach of the Year honors right now. Sure. And it also says a lot to the character in the room and uh, of those players. Uh, they have bonded very quickly. And, uh, you know, they're, they're not uh, a team that I would consider to be a pushover by any stretch right now. They're certainly not behaving like an expansion team. And, uh, of course, sitting where they are right now, I mean, up near the top of the, uh, the Western Conference standings, as you said, three-game losing streak aside, um, you know, that's, that's all of a sudden it started to change some of the thinking around the league. Some people are wondering, well, if they're in the playoff hunt, by the trade deadline, will they actually trade some of these guys? You know, guys like James Neal and David Perron and Jonathan Marchessault especially. I mean, they're their top three unrestricted free agents right now. Would they still trade them? And uh, GM George McPhee earlier this week, you know, I mean, he didn't want to, you know, confirm anything, but he said, look, you know, if we're still in the hunt, he said, if we're still in the hunt by that point, he said, I'm not going to blow this thing up. You know, he said it wouldn't be fair to the players. It wouldn't be fair to the hockey community that they're building in Vegas. That sounds funny, doesn't it? You know, the hockey community in Vegas, well, you know, hats off to the Golden Knights because they've done a good job so far in their short period of existence of building excitement for that team. And, yeah, if, if, they're, uh, if they're in playoff contention, if they're still holding on to a playoff spot, by February 26th. I mean, I could see McPhee becoming a buyer, not a seller. Very interesting. Very interesting. And one thing I will say, being here since 1988, 89, um, there, there always has been hockey in Las Vegas going back to the first outdoor game uh, played in Caesars Palace between the Kings and Rangers. Uh, We have the Las Vegas Thunder and they did a great job in, in built, you know, laying the foundation for what has become the Vegas Golden Knights fan base. Uh, bringing in guys like Clint Malarchuk and Curtis Joseph, Alexei Yashin, Radic Bonk. They had Manon Rume, the first female goalie in net for a, for a period of time. Um, and really engaging the community with their, you know, their in-game entertainment package and getting out into the community. And then following, following their departure, um, which wasn't for lack of fan support or financial, it was solely due to the fact that the Thomas and Mac and the university regents decided not to offer them a lease after a very public, ugly negotiation between them and the state and the ownership group. Uh, then we got the ECHL Las Vegas Wranglers, who are always consistently in the top 10 in the ECHL fan, you know, attendance and, and participation. So there always has been that core group of hockey fans here in Las Vegas. And, you know, what's oh, happened sure. in the community, what's happened in the community isn't too much of a surprise to me, but definitely the Vegas Golden Knights, the job they've done in the community has been just above, above par, above reproach. Well, I just want to add just very quickly, the reason where my comment came from is the fact you have to, you have to understand, I mean, I live in Canada and right, right. those of us, you know, diehard Canadian hockey fans as we all are, I mean, everybody scoffed at, oh, another franchise oh, going yeah. to the Sun Belt when Quebec City is sitting there ready and waiting for one. But this is the thing. I mean, I, I said it before. I said, look, you know, hockey's always done well in the Sun Belt. You know, and Vegas, as you said, it always has had uh, a history there with, you know, know, with minor league teams being there. Um, You know, that's why I talk of of a team going, potentially moving to Houston, going to Houston. Nobody should scoff at that. Houston has a long history of, of, uh, you know, minor pro hockey as well. But it's just here in Canada, whenever people hear, oh, they put a franchise, uh, you know, and when they heard, oh, they're putting one in Vegas, well, of course, the immediate knee-jerk reaction is to scoff at it, but... 
as you said, yeah. Vegas has done a fantastic job so far. Uh, and and let's face it, the team's giving you fans something to cheer for. Yeah, I will say that even, you know, we have you in on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Lyle Richardson. And we have you in in our 100th episode of the show. And uh, believe me, going back and forth with emails and, and Twitter feeds uh, since we started the show a week after they announced the ticket drive, I've heard it all. But we've been on record from the start. Um, what, what, what I was hoping to see was that we could go in with Quebec City. Uh, we're a big supporter of Quebec City getting uh, Nordiques 2.0 back. And what a great dichotomy that would have been to go in with one of the most traditional hockey markets uh, being reinvigorated by the NHL and then to be the most non-traditional market that anybody could think of in Las Vegas and to, you know, kind of be sister franchise with the Quebec Nordiques. I mean, we always think of the previous expansion teams that have come in together kind of in, you know, they're always in the same conversation and it would have been like an honor for Vegas to be mentioned with Quebec City and have them set the bar for us as to what we could view as a success for the city. And I, I deeply hope that Quebec City um, will be either the target of relocation or further expansion in, in the next five years. And, you know, relocation will help out a struggling franchise. And the same teams are always bandied about, so I don't want to, you know, disparage any other hockey markets. But, <coughs> excuse me, um, for, you know, the league is always a better place when the Canadian teams are doing well and healthy. We, we've seen that recently with uh, the, the playoffs and the TV ratings when a couple years back there's, as, as I believe, six Canadian teams all made the playoffs. And then last year it took a little bit of dip and the overall TV ratings took a little bit of a dip as well. So to be, to be a hockey fan and not acknowledge that Quebec City needs a franchise is a little disingenuous, even if you are a big-time Vegas supporter like myself. So uh, once again, let me put that on record that uh, certainly we believe at the Vegas Hockey Podcast that the NHL is a better place with a strong, strong Canadian base. I mean, that's the roots of the game. That's the history of the game. And I think everybody here needs to understand and respect that. So that being said, let me throw this over to Chris. And I know he has a couple questions for you as well. Chris? Mm-hmm. Hey, Lyle. Great to have you on the show. So, yeah, I got a, I got a couple, two or three hits uh, to start off with. Obviously, being out here in Long Island, New York, uh, a lot of people, a lot of nervous Islander fans uh, about, you know, one John Tavares. Uh, I, I think uh, I've read a lot of good stuff, uh, articles, and your viewpoint, uh, different viewpoints from articles on your site, at least going to pop up there at least two, if not three or four times a week. Um, uh, and as Russ Cohen, uh, the head of Sportsology, who we partner with, says, I'm saying this without my blue and orange sunglasses on. Even on the articles I've seen uh, that you've mentioned on your site where they say, uh, well, maybe John will go to Tampa or maybe he'll go to Toronto. Uh, and that the preference, and the, uh, pre- uh, it's always uh, said in the articles, well, everybody in the league knows that John's really happy there. John doesn't want to leave. Uh, and, you know, also how much he means to the franchise and uh, with this new ownership group who's really committed. Uh, he, he's more important to the Islanders than any other team. And obviously having that extra year as well as they'll do whatever financially it would have to take, uh, it would take to keep him. Uh, that's how I kind of see it from afar, uh, from close mm-hmm. in. How about yourself in Canada? Uh, about how you see this John Tavares situation playing out. 
Well, uh, you know, thankfully I'm not in the Toronto market because I might be biased and say, Tavares to the Leafs, but, uh, <laughs> 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 of course. Uh, <clears throat> but no, uh, you know, look, uh, you touched on a lot of the uh, the things, the issues here with uh, with Tavares, and, and I really don't see him leaving the Islanders. I, I know, as you said, he he obviously doesn't want to. He's he's been very loyal to that franchise and them to him. Um, you know, there were several, there there were and still are several factors. I mean, that are that are going to uh, affect uh, you know his ultimate decision. Um, one of them, of course, was how was the performance of the team this season. And I think thus far, if you're an Islanders fan, you have to be relieved with the direction that they're going in here right now because you're seeing, uh, um, you know, because I think last season we can all agree was kind of, was it was a step backwards for them. But uh, that was the fallout from from losing several key players to uh, free agency. Plus, of course, uh, uh, you know, you had some injuries and of course the coaching issue, which was resolved when uh, Doug Waite took over midseason. And and since Doug Waite took over, it's it's just been a you know the team's just been completely different. And, you know, with the younger kids like, uh, you know, like Barzal uh, stepping up and playing well, you see, uh, you know, Josh Bailey is, is just thriving this season along with Tavares. Andrew Ladd has found his game. He's playing well. I mean, Jordan Eberle has been playing well. You know, I mean, this this is a team that still has, uh, you know, some roster issues, obviously, that they still need to, ad- to address. I mean, I'm, I'm not sold on the goaltending still, but, uh, you know, they're they're playing very well, so I think that this is an indication that the Islanders are heading in the right direction on the ice, and I think that that's something that was was uh, one of the issues for Tavares. But let's be honest too the big the big one is is the arena deal. Um, you know, getting a new arena built in, in in Belmont Park. Now I've heard people say, well, no, that won't have anything to do with it because even if the Islanders win that bid, it'll be two or three years at least before uh, you know a spade hits the ground or before the the arena's open. And by that point, he'd be almost halfway through his contract. So they don't see that the arena is a big deal. But I disagree. The arena is a huge deal. Uh, and Tavares knows this because it will, you know, it will help the Islanders being in a better venue, uh, obviously with better ice, though the ice is better at Barclays Center this season, but still, you know, you want to be in a hockey arena, an arena that's built for hockey. And uh, I think I think if uh, if they 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 win that bid to build that arena in Belmont, I think that's that could be just the last piece of the puzzle there for for Tavares. But uh you know, I I just get the sense that this is this is going to almost like like Steven Stamkos with Tampa yep. Bay two years ago, where it was all oh he's going to leave, he's going to go to Toronto, he's going to go here, he's going to go. And at the end of the day, he stayed put. Now look, now some people say, well, of course he stayed put in Florida, where there's no state tax and the weather is nice and blah blah blah. And I'm sure that had something to do with it. The real reason why he wanted to stay in Tampa Bay is because Tampa Bay is a cup contender. And I think the reason why Tavares wants to, will want to stay with the Islanders beyond this, he wants to play for the Cup, okay? And he wants to do that over the remaining years of his, of his NHL career, you know, and he, he doesn't want to spend it with a team that's constantly rebuilding. He wants that shot. So if the Islanders are trending in the right direction that way, that will obviously be a huge factor. Uh, in him putting a pen to paper and staying with them. And I think it's going to cost over 11 mil a season to do it, but term and, and, and salary I don't think are going to be an issue for either side. No, I agree. And, and you know, I think one, uh, before I get to my next question, I think one 
thing that could help, that, that couldn't hurt is, uh, and again, I'm not trying to uh, get the pom-poms out too much for Mr. Barzell, but how this kid has really hit the ground running uh, this year, and he was just raving about him in, in the press this week, Tavares. He might say, you know what, I might there might be another star on this team, and that could, that's only going to help our chances. So maybe also Mr. Barzell has helped, uh, you know, tilt the scales a little bit as well. Another guy I want to get to is, and I've read a lot about, is Oliver ekman Larson, And I'm curious how you see between now and the trade deadline. I mean, Arizona's been known as a pretty tough negotiator. Uh, you know, ekman Larson's only sawing through next season. Uh, I think he's going to be a free agent at around 27, 28 years of age. It's hard for me to see Arizona giving on a monster contract. But having said that, I don't know uh, if they're going to be at a time and place between now and the end of February where they're going to roll up their sleeves and and talk turkey and talk trade with someone unless it's a deal that they get offered that, you know, someone is, you know, paying a dollar eighty on the dollar and the three or any one of us can would make that deal and look like a genius. Uh, how do you see it? Well, I mean, look, any anybody can be traded. We all know that, yes. But you know, the thing the thing people have to re- have to realize here is, first of all, I mean, Ekman Larson, you know, still has another season left on his contract. So you know, despite how poorly you know the Coyotes are, are playing, and 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 to be fair, they're not playing that badly. It's just yeah, they see better goaltending, and uh, yeah, they just you know, maybe a little more experience on that club to help those kids. But there's still a lot of potential on that team. But regardless of regardless of how they're playing this season, they're not in any rush to move Ekman Larson. You know, now as you said, unless they got a, a just a, a monster offer that you just can't refuse, uh they're not going to move him. They have no reason to move him this season unless he comes to them and says, I've had enough, I want out. And from every indication, that is the furthest thing from his mind. And I know some people will probably wonder, well, how can you stick with a club that's losing all the time? Wouldn't you like to go to a contender, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, a lot of people said that about Shane Doan, too. (laughs) You know? And don't forget, Shane Doan was Ekman Larson's teammate for years. And, you know, Ekman Larson, he likes the area. His family's well settled in there. I mean, you know, come on, Arizona, you know, yeah, it's the desert, but, you know, Phoenix and that, it's 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 a nice place to live. And it's not a, a, a type of hockey market where it's like Toronto or, or New York where you're constantly being bombarded, where it's hockey, hockey, hockey all the time and you get microphones in your face and fans constantly bugging you. So, I mean, that's, that's one aspect of it. But, uh, you know, everything that I've heard, it sounds to me like the Coyotes want to keep him he wants to stay. Um, they're going to, you know, they're going to supposedly start talking contract, obviously next July, because that's the earliest that they can do it. Um, now, if he say by late June if, uh, of next year, if they turn around and and he tells them, uh, look, I think I'm going to test the market next summer. Well, then I can see the scenario where he could be traded. But if he wants to stay and they're keen to to keep him, yeah, I could see them handing out. 7.5, 8 mil, 8.5 mil, maybe even 9 mil a season to keep him there. Yeah, that, that, I, I agree. I, I think that t- totally makes sense. Um, before I hand you back to Mark, I want to get to the Leafs a little bit. Um, you know, to me, they got some interesting calls to make. 
and uh, my partner here is going to get upset with me. Uh, every time I read about uh, Toronto because John Tavares is from Toronto, I'm like, they don't need John Tavares. The guy that should be number one in their hit list is Drew Doughty. I mean, a guy like that. Yeah. Um, Whoa. Whoa. My partner my partner's a big Kings fan as well as well as Vegas. So but looking at Toronto obviously, down there. obviously Nylander is a restricted free agent this summer. He's gonna get a big bump up. And the year after that both Matthews and Marner. So depending upon how their contracts go and they have Van Riesbank, Bozak, and Komarov all pending UFAs after this year. And this is a team that, let's be honest, needs to get better on the blue line. They have a couple of guys which you would call, I like to call guys I, I know are going to be on the bus with me, but they have a lot of work to do that, and most of their young prospects in the pipeline uh, are of the forward variety, like Long Island's own Jeremy Bronco. So how do you... How do you see them attacking their pending free agents and then keeping an open eye with, with their three uh, stud young forwards and given where the players' salaries, even for young guys, you know, Pasternak this offseason, Eichel, all those contracts. I mean, Matthews might eclipse uh, McDavid's contract. So how do you see all these machinations playing out in Toronto and for both the here and now and, and moving forward over the next year or so? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, first of all, everybody knows Toronto's biggest need is for a top-two defenseman, an experienced top-two defenseman. Everybody knows that. So when you bring up, you know, Drew Doughty and, you know, don't want to upset, <laughs> don't want to upset you. But, uh, you know, with, with him, Perfect. you know, this past week, you know, publicly saying, you know, again, saying, you know, hey, listen, when contract time comes, I'm going to get the, I'm going to get the most I can get, which is, by the way, it's refreshing to hear uh, uh, a free agent or somebody who's going, to, who's going to be a free agent in a year's time say that, to be quite honest. Um, if it looks like, it, you know, either if the Kings can't afford to keep him or if he, for some reason, thinks, mm, you know, I think that, uh, the Kings are trending down and the Leafs are trending up and I want to hop on uh, I want to hop on the Leafs train because I think they're going to be uh, heading to, to the Stanley Cup station. Um, yeah, you know, maybe next summer it's possible that he could be traded there. I, I th- And listen, if Drew Doughty hypothetically becomes available next summer in the trade market, the Leafs are going hard for him, big time, going after him. And if that means they have to give up William Nylander in a package, if they have to give up Mitch Marner in a package, they'll do it. The only untouchable in that regard will be Austin Matthews. There's no way they're trading Austin Matthews. But I could see, yeah, I could see Marner in a package deal go uh, for Doughty or Nylander. One of those two kids would go. Um and if They'd you know if, if that's well yeah and if that sort yeah. of a deal to come down um I think that would if, if it was to happen before free agency before July first next year that could um maybe change things in terms of of James Van Riemsdyk maybe they would put an even bigger push on to keep JVR um on the roster I'm not saying that they're not going to put a push on to do it you know if they don't go chase after a, a, a big name defenseman um and they but if they have to give up one of their good young forwards well that's money now yeah you're going to have to pay a lot of money for Doughty, but 
you're you know you you know you're going to have to pay a lot of money for Van Reenstijk, but maybe they would look at it as well. This this might be worth it if we're going to go for it right now. You know what I mean? Or if we're going to go for it for the cup over the next three years, maybe maybe that would make it put even more of an emphasis on them to keep uh, JVR. But if they uh, stay the course, um, and maybe if they're going to look for maybe a more affordable option to to improve their defense, um, you know, I, I could see. Well, I, I think Bozak and Komarov are gone. Um, I don't think there's going to be enough room to to keep them um, cap wise. But I, I do think they will try to keep JVR. The question is, is it's going to be cost. You know, how long of a contract does he want and for how much? Because it, I think it's already clear he's going to be looking for over six mil a season, perhaps on a six-year deal. And now you've got to try and weigh it and go, okay, do we have enough money for him, Marner, Matthews, and Nylander, plus enough to go get, you know, bring in a, a, a top-two defenseman? That's, so, a, that's a lot of... That's a lot of money, Lyle. That's oh yeah, and and you know I just you know I with the with the with the cap crawling, um, the three young kid forwards, and a top two defenseman, you're looking at at least thirty five mil, somewhere between thirty five mm-hmm. and forty mil on a, and that's only four players on your roster for seventy five oh. mil or so cap. But you take a look at yeah, but take a look at uh, a lot of the uh, you know the top teams in the league today. You know that's not unusual yep. to have a lot of money like that tied up, especially yep. if you're going for it in a three in a two three four year time frame. If that's your yep. time frame that you're looking at, and you're willing to go, we're going to gamble on these three or four years, and then we'll worry about the consequences afterwards because it won't matter. Because if we have a championship, if we have a Stanley Cup by that point. Our fans aren't going to care after that, <laughs> you know, especially in Toronto where the drought's been forever. Um, you know, and and the thing too to remember, the cap could jump significantly as well. I mean, we've been used to it just these little tiny increases of a mil and a half to two mil. <laughs> I know, yeah, <laughs> a mil and a half to two mil. Yeah, that's a tiny increase, but in the sure. grand scheme of things, yeah, it's a it's a small it's a small raise, but. Now, you know, you've got the league, or you've got uh, Commissioner Bettman saying that, well, revenue could be between four and a half and five billion um, for the season. And if that's the case, well, that could push the cap up by five to seven million dollars, which now we're we're talking 80 to 82 million. And now all of a sudden, that's some extra breathing room if that's a team like Toronto that's looking to re sign some core young players and still looking to bring in a, a, a much needed top two defenseman. Yeah, for sure. And how exciting is I, – I would love to see him be able to keep that, that three three Super 3 together. Um, I don't know if you were able to catch the Golden Knights-Toronto game a couple weeks ago, and, and like particularly the overtime. How beautiful was that game to watch? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and you know, that that's the thing. Those three kids, they are the future, you know, but especially, you know, the, 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 the linchpin, of course, is Matthews. And like you were saying – he could conceivable. Now I don't see him getting more than uh, Connor McDavid, but I could see him getting the same amount. Because for sure, him to get isn't. more than Connor McDavid, for him to get more than Connor McDavid, he not only has to win the scoring title and be the league MVP, he gotta he's gotta lead them to a Stanley Cup this year. Okay, if right. he does that. Well, he, 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 it yeah. could be semantics, like he can get thirteen million a year. You know what I mean? Like every agent, yeah, yeah. Oh, he he will definitely get 
McDavid money. I think definitely in that neighborhood, in a close neighborhood there with McDavid. That's amazing. That's amazing to think the the Arizona kid pulling down McDavid money. That's uh, whoo. You look at teams like Chicago and Minnesota, who who are are you know they have a lot of money locked up in two players that just those two teams come to mind, uh, Suter and Parise, and and obviously Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane locked up for a lot of money. For and, the, and Chicago obviously yeah, able to make it work. For them. Yeah, it's worked. It's worked for one of them. Yeah. Yeah, it worked for Chicago. Yeah, that 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 shows the gamble that you take, though, doesn't it? You know, if yes, you're sir. if you're going to go for it, that's that's the price you have to pay to go for it. Minnesota went for it and it didn't pan out. You know, Chicago. No. Though I correct me if I'm wrong. Did they get those two contracts? I think after they won their last cup, did they not? Let me just let me just check real quick. They got um. They I think they got it after the second cup, right? That's what I, I me, think too. Check real quick. I think you may be right on yeah. that one. Yeah. Let me let me just check yeah. real real quick here. Uh, yes, it was out. Yeah, it was uh, 2014. So after yep. that, then they got, uh, then they won their their next cup, and it was, you know, yay, the and, money was all worth it. And Parisi and Suter were before the uh, the cap system, which really them, their those two contracts and Weber, none, none against those guys, but that caused the lockout for sure. Well, that was part of it, yeah. But I mean, what yeah. I found with the irony of that, of course, not not for us to digress too much on that, but the irony of that was was you know the Wild signing those guys and 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 the and the Predators signing those three guys to these huge contracts. Yet these are the teams that were were among the ones crying about teams signing to, for big contracts, <laughs> and they do it right before a lockout. You know, it was like yeah, yeah. absolutely. How do you spell hypocrisy? W I L D. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, we're, th- we're talking with Lyle Richardson on, on from SpectresHockey.net here on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. And Chris in the show notes had put a, a two separate items that I kind of want to merge into one because with Columbus looking like they could use a little bit of depth down the center and possibly some speculation on, on Spezza moving, do you see those being uh, compatible trade partners in, in where they could fill each other's needs out a little bit? Because Columbus has a, a little bit of depth on the wing and and maybe might be able to move a defenseman to um, kind of help Dallas in that department. Um, what, what are you hearing on that front? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the talk about Spezza, first of all, I mean, yeah, that kind of floated out there a couple of weeks ago. Um, I believe that came from uh, Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet. But he, but he, he was saying that, you know, that his name was mentioned, but nobody was saying that uh, that Dallas was was shopping him or that he wanted to move. Um, and let's and let's face it, this season, uh, you know, has 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 not been a particularly good one, you know, so far for Spezza. You know, I mean, he got off to a very very slow start. I think it took him what over a month before he finally got his first goal of the season. He only has nine points right now. I mean, he's this he's on pace for one of his worst performances of his career. Um, you know, and he's been healthy, so you know you can't uh, you can't blame it on injuries. Uh, the problem, though, if if you're going to move Spezza, he's he's is is twofold. First of all, he's got another season left on his contract, and that's at a 7.5 mil cap hit. Um, not a lot of teams going to want to take that on. Uh, so if if they if if the stars were going to move him, they're going to have to pick up part of that that salary. They're not going to have any choice, you know. Right. Uh, but also Spezza has that no move clause, and if he doesn't want to go, 
there's nothing that the Stars could really do. And and if if he was willing to go, would he want to go to Columbus? And that's not a knock against. I'm not saying that as a knock against you know the city of Columbus or anything like that. It's just he might not want to go there. He might prefer staying in the Sun Belt. Who can say? Um, but things I think are kind of changing a little bit for Columbus as well because. Um, you know, for the first couple of months, I mean, let's face it, they were they were in the bidding big time for Matt Duchesne before he got shipped to uh, to Ottawa. Uh, they had been in the they'd had an offer on the table uh, to the Avalanche since early July, and one of the guys they were willing it was like package of they were looking at maybe uh, they might move uh, Ryan Murray. Um, you heard like Sonny Milano's name uh, brought up, some other young players, a little mix and match package of prospects and things like that. Uh, but ultimately, of course, uh, it, you know, it wasn't enough or it wasn't good enough <coughs> for the Evs, excuse me. And they uh, you know, ultimately shipped Shane to uh, the Senators. But in the time being, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, they, they put him as their first-line center between uh, Artemi Panarin and, and Josh Anderson, and that line has just exploded. They've just taken yeah. off in the last, you know, in the last little while. And, yeah, all of a sudden, Dubois is looking very much like that kid who got selected in the top five of the draft a couple of years ago. And everybody's like, whoa, so that this this is what he was all about. Oh, okay. Um, so that dynamic I mean, is shifting a little bit. Didn't they take uh, Dubois before Patrick Liney? And wasn't that the chatter at the draft? Then? No, he, 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 was, he was the third pick. Yeah. Third pick, okay. Yeah, Liney went second overall. Yeah. But um, – you know, he, he has just taken off. And, you know, all of a sudden now, yeah, the talk is, well, they could still use some help at center, but now they might be looking for a third or a fourth line guy, somebody a little more experienced in the third or fourth, in the third or fourth line role. Um, because, and listen, yeah, if Dubois keeps playing as well as he is, if, if they're chugging along just fine, then they're okay with Dubinsky on the second line, Wenberg on the third. So maybe you look at bringing in a fourth line guy, or maybe you know you you find another spot uh, for Wenberg. Maybe you shift him to the wing somewhere, and, and you look at bringing in a third line guy, somebody like a Benino type. You know what I mean? If you could find sure. actually find that type of center, yeah, for for your third line. So you know it it's kind of interesting to see just how that that dynamic has shifted in a month because yeah i mean up until very recently the talk was all yep they need uh, they need a center for their first or their second line you know they want to they want to move felino back to the wing cuz they were using nick nick felino as a center for a while but now i believe they've moved him back to the wing and he's on i think he yeah he's on the second line with Dubinsky uh, as their center now so with that top line of uh, Dubois, Panarin, and Anderson just ripping it up, yeah, they. Uh, I, I think that yeah, they'll, they'll they'll look for a center, but I don't think if they do, I don't think they'd look for somebody like Spezza, to be quite honest. Too expensive, um, getting up there in age as well. He's in his mid thirties, has that injury history, and with his play obviously in decline here, I, I think they would want to look for a more affordable short term option. Hindsight being twenty twenty. Uh... How good would William Carlson be looking on that second line right about now? Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> That's not a hurt. Oh, you know they did. You know they did not want to lose him. They, that Absolutely. was where they they had no choice. It, 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 when you're a team like like the Jackets and you, and you're coming off a 108 point uh, performance, franchise best performance, you got all this young talent. They couldn't protect everybody. Somebody had to go. So you kind of crush your fingers and. 
and hope. And uh, but hey, you know the Jackets' loss is definitely the Golden Knights' gain. Holy cow, Absolutely. that kid is that, But I'm not surprised. He he was uh, you know he showed a lot of potential over the last two seasons. So uh, it looks like he's getting a great opportunity in Vegas. Yeah, centering Marsha Show and Riley, that's uh, a big a big step oh, up yeah. from fourth fourth line minutes in Columbus. That's that's uh, and it shows. Um, one, definitely one of the best players on the roster so far this year. Well, let me let me throw back to Chris. I know he's he's got one more for you before we let you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, thank you so much, Lyle, for coming on. Uh, Absolutely, a little extra time. No, uh, my pleasure. Again, uh, you can follow Lyle at on Twitter at Specters. Hockey and the website is SpectresHockey.net. Uh, I the first thing every morning when I turn on the computer, uh, it's when I go to website. I always tweet it out uh, because it's, if you're a hockey fan, uh, again, it, it, it's just it's tremendous, tremendous uh, site. Want to talk about the Habs a little bit? And you brought up an interesting point before talking about being happy with Stephen Stamkos, and and it made me think of what. Uh, you know, Jordan Eberle said recently this week, and it was nothing against the city of Edmonton, but he was really, even though, you know, the city of Edmonton isn't the size of, you know, Montreal, Toronto from that standpoint, but, you know, hockey up there is religion, and he was just, the whole team is under a microscope, and then all of a sudden, coming to the Islanders, it's a totally different situation, and I look at Montreal, and I look at Alice Gochenyak, and I see a kid in the microscope who is a kid who's a former third overall pick, just like Matthew Shane was, so much expectations. And I say to myself, if this kid can go to another situation, get him out of that microscope, get out of you have to be a franchise player or bust, and just let him play hockey because he's capable of being – I see him as a two-way player who can give you good offense and just let him be. Um, but, you know, I don't know where it stands with Montreal. Obviously, it's been uh, touch and go, to say the least. How do you feel about Gochenyuk? And um, in terms of will he be moved between now and the deadline? And, you know, and who would who would be interested, do you think? Well, uh, you know, about uh, two, three weeks ago, you know, I would have figured that, yeah, perhaps Gochenyuk could be gone by the trade deadline because Montreal was in a world of hurt. But they have really turned things around. Of course, no surprise since Carey Price came back. But, you know, even before Price came back, you start to see uh, throughout November the Habs are starting to turn things around. And that included um, Galchenyuk. Um, you know, I, I, I think what's happening there with him is, is they, they – Montreal is they, – they really were hoping this guy was going to blossom into a center. But he's just more effective as a winger. And he's, he's got obvious offensive talent. Uh, defensively, his game still needs work, and you know you can see it by the fact that he's you know he he doesn't see a lot of top six uh, minutes uh, that often anymore. But uh, you know I I don't think they want to give up on him, and you know if they're still in playoff contention when we get to the trade deadline, I can see them hanging on to him. But if he doesn't significantly improve over the course of the season, um, I could see his name bouncing back up big time as we head towards the June draft because we all know that that's when you know the the trade activity really you know picks up yep. and you want to see significant players on the move and Galchenyuk came up last year uh in June uh but the Habs retained him and re-signed him but I can certainly see him coming up again but 
Montreal would, if they move him, it would either be for um, perhaps a, a, a top four defenseman, one that's like a, maybe a second pairing, a young second pairing guy who maybe has potential to move up to the top, you know, top pairing, or they'll want a quality center, um, you know, a, uh, you know, again, one that can play in the top six, preferably first line, but Galchenyuk won't get you that, not on his own. But maybe a second, you know, a, a second line guy, again, who can score, because Bukanich, he's in the final season of his contract, he's past his prime now. Uh, so I could see them maybe looking to try to move that kind of guy, because if you're going to move him, you've got to address one of your two needs. And one of, your, one of their big needs, obviously, is that center, and then the other one is, is that, you know, their, their, their defense, their blue line depth, especially skill. You mean depth. like a guy so, like Mitch? A, a guy like Mikhail Sergachev? Yeah, somebody like him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Somebody kind of sort of like him, yeah. Um, but, uh, again, it's it's going to depend. And and as you said, I mean, it, there in Montreal, I mean, you know, the, 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 the focus on those guys and everything like that, when, when you're oh. not playing well, that pressure can really get to you. And, I think that if he did get traded to uh, a different team, maybe maybe one where the, the 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 media attention and the fan attention isn't quite as intense. That yeah, as you said, if he's just left alone, you know, he can blossom and play his game, and uh, you know, he could return to that thirty goal form that he showed a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, I really, I, I got a last quick one, uh, bonus one. Outside of the Evander Kings and the Mike Greens of the world, you got a name for us? to watch out for between now and the trade deadline of someone we're not expecting who could get moved. That's a fairly big name. A fairly big name who could get moved. Not, hmm. not necessarily a superstar, but let's say mm-hmm. someone who's a, a top four defenseman or a top six forward. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Let me have a look here. <laughs> Let me think about this carefully. Um, John Tavares. No, kidding. Kidding. Totally kidding. Whoa. <laughs> I made you clutch your. I made you clutch your heart. For, clutch your heart there for a second. Um. Gosh. You know. You you look through any kind of guys that could get moved. Um. Is there any real top guys? I mean, well, I mean, you mentioned Evander Kane, but I mean, I think everybody's expecting that as the as the next puzzle yeah. piece to go. Yeah. Um, I mean, the trade deadline in recent years, Lyle, as you know, has, has really been about oof. the guys who are pending UFAs. Yep. I mean, there yeah. really there really hasn't been I, – I can't think of the last time on a February trade deadline. It, mm-hmm. All those kind of trades have been done in June uh, in the last few years. So that, that's why I ask it. Yeah. I, I don't really – me personally, I don't really see it unless someone just – pulls up yeah. in Arizona and, and says, I'm going to give you the sun, the moon, and the stars, and more for X and Larson. I, uh, unless I got one for you. Happen. Yeah, okay. sure, go ahead. I got one. Uh, Rob Blake has shown already that he is not shy about making moves, uh, trying to improve the team with a couple recent deals. And a player on that squad who would be a real nice piece for someone to pick up, he's a consistent Corsi leader in the league, and he's been rumored uh, in a couple of deals, uh, early negotiations with the Duchesne thing, Orlando Skog is Jake Muzzin. If if he thinks he can get a good offensive piece to to complement the third-line wing situation, which is where I think the Kings could use a little bit of extra scoring depth, if somebody could come up with a, a nice package of, of a scoring winger and prospect or pick, uh, look for Jake Muzzin to possibly be cashed in on that chip. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, Hello, that, Lou that's Lamorello. Fox- Hello, Lou Lamorello. <laughs> yeah, well, that mean? that's possible. Listen, uh, both Muzzin and uh, Martinez were both mentioned uh, about a month ago as, as, you know, possibly could be moved later in the season if the Kings felt that they needed additional scoring depth. But that being said, though, too, I mean, the Kings haven't done too badly for scoring right now. I mean, they, they went sure. through a little little bit of a drought there about mid-November, but they, they seem to have kind of recovered. And, you know, let's not forget, they've been playing without Jake, or Jake, yeah, right, Jake, <laughs> Jeff Carter, uh, sure. you know, for, yep. you know, basically since since October. So, you know, he's expected back, I think, in late December, early January. And if they get him back in the lineup, well, that could be just as good as trading for, sure. for a scoring point. So, We've seen you know, that with the young- line catch fire. Exactly, and and with the young kids that they've had who've who've uh, played uh, well for them so far this this year, there may not be a big uh, a big push there for them to move. One guy who could move, but he would be he's like he's a pending uh, unrestricted free agent who could move, might move if his team falls out of playoff contention between now and the deadline. I would say it'd be Rick Nash. If the Rangers yep. are out, if they you know, if if they wind up reverting back to that horrible form they had in October, and if they tumble out of contention once the calendar flips to February, I could see them going to Rick Nash and saying, where do you want to go? Because we can't afford to keep you. Where do you want to go? That's um, a good one. But, if, again, I'm saying, if they fall out of contention. If they don't, they'll keep them and try their luck, you know, with them in the playoffs again. But. If they're out of contention, yeah, I could see them going to Nash and, and saying, listen, where do you want to go because we want to move you. Let's get him back in Columbus. He had his best years there anyway. That's uh, There you go. We just put, <laughs> yeah, it, but they need we just put a trade together right there. Um, anyway, before we let you go, Lyle, uh, this is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. So um, I'm going to put you on the spot, and you're out on PEI, so I'm going to keep it in Canada. we got two All-Canada games tonight. Uh, give me a real quick pick if I was going to the window. Maple Leafs, Canucks. Maple Leafs, Canucks, um, you know, I'm going to go out on the limb here and I'm going to say Vancouver because oh, they've been a oh – Yeah, yep, they've, they've surprised a lot, of, a lot of teams this year and uh, I could see Brock Besser, uh, Brock Besser getting the winning goal. Kids clutch. Okay, and uh, – Love Travis Green. Maybe one, of the better, maybe one of the better rivalries up there. Oilers at Calgary. That's that's the one I'm looking forward to tonight for sure. Good game. Yeah, yeah, that's a tale of two teams going in different directions. Um, I think the Flames have been looking forward to a bit of payback here for that uh, opening, you know, opening game loss uh, to the Oilers. So I'm going to go with the Flames on that one. I think Johnny Goudreau, he's just on fire. So I can see Johnny Goudreau uh, get a couple of goals tonight in this one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Edmonton since that opening night. uh, Mm Mm-hmm. God, that's a whole show by itself. <laughs> I've waxed not so poetic on the Oilers a couple times so far on the podcast this season. Um, okay, we're going with both home teams. We're going to get a Canucks Flames parlay here tonight. We're going to see how you do, Lyle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. We appreciate you having you on. Uh, taking t- uh, time out of your Saturday to, to spend with, with the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We appreciate you coming on the show. Make sure everybody follows Lyle Richardson 
on Twitter at Spectres Hockey and go to SpectresHockey.net for all of, obviously, the guys in the know on comings, goings, news and notes, rumors around the NHL. So if that's your thing, get over to SpectresHockey.net and check it out. Thanks again, Lyle, for joining us. It was my pleasure, guys. Let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you, Lyle. Okay, take care. All right, Chris. Oh, that, that was, was uh, absolutely that was a lot of fun. Absolutely, good time talking with Lyle. Uh, that was oh, a, that was a good pull on your uh, part. Sir. I'm good not pull just. On uh, your okay, so I've been following that site for the last couple of years. Uh, Lyle has a very strong following. Uh, I'm thrilled that he came on the show. Uh, like I said, it's you know I love the the daily rumors, you, but he's not just picking stuff out of air. Uh, like for instance. Uh, if you're in the, the New York, let's say uh, in tomorrow's Sunday papers, uh, in one of the articles, uh, one of the down beat writer writes an article about possible trade ideas or things that he's heard. Um, he'll be in Lyle's column on Monday. So if you're in Calgary, if you're in L.A. or Vegas, like it, it's all right there. Like, you know, or if something's written in the Vegas papers, then uh, obviously I'm not going to go online and look at every team's local papers and, he does a tremendous job with all that. Uh, it's a great site. Everyone should really, if if you're a, a, a hockey fan, and that means you're a junkie hockey fan, uh, and you're not following Spectres Hockey and reading it daily, uh, shame on you. you you'll, you'll get a huge kick out of it. You'll get a lot of information, five, ten minutes a day, checking out his uh, daily stuff. So, um, uh, And I, I love the idea of Jake Mutt. You know, Jake Muzzin, by the way, has, a, as you know, a very reasonable cap number at $4 sure. million. I think he signed for a few more years, so that is really right up uh, the least well, alley. So that, uh, that would be an interesting interesting one. So before we end the show... Uh, well, hold on now. You want to you wanna throw Drew Doughty at him. I, if we had to lose, you know, I might have to let him, let him have Muzzin for uh, something, but, but hands off the well, double you know, D there, sir. Yeah, you're not, Hands off, he's not going. He's not going. No, but that, that's the kind of player. I mean, if you're going to go for the sun and the moon, the stars kind of super. I mean, the Leafs are fine in terms of they they need a, a defenseman like that. that. That's what they need. Absolutely. Um, if they had that, if they had Drew yeah. Downey, that would be just sick. That would be a sick hockey. Exactly. Player. That's uh, that's the guy. The kind of a Drew Downey type of defenseman is the kind of guy. Uh, I would be that would be under my uh, wish list for Santa if I was a if I was a Leafs fan. So, uh, what did you think of the? We had another hockey trade this week. Doubles and Anaheim getting together. You know, right. uh, basically Henrique, Pavatnin. Um, I think it's a good deal for both teams. Uh, Anaheim has depth on defense. They just got Cam Fowler back. They need. They're really hurting with injuries on offense. Henrique is a real good two-way player. Former 30-goal scorer. Uh, they're both around the same age. Uh, the both have around the same cap hit. I think Vatnin's about a million dollars more, although Vatnin signed for an extra year. So the uh, team control, I think he signed for the next three years and, and released this year and next year. So uh, I think it was a pretty good trade. The only thing is I question if the Devils, who desperately needed a defenseman like Vatnin, so I think it was a smart move by them, big picture. But I wonder this season losing a forward like Henrique, um, uh, that, that you know, it's robbing Peter to pay full, but it's so hard to get a defenseman like that. But so I, I, I get, I totally think is a move they had to do. Uh, how do you, how do you see the trade? 
Um, I like it for both clubs, to be honest with you. Um, I think with all the injuries that that Anaheim is is going through right now, um, that if they want to stay in the West, because the King Kings Knights and and, and Calgary are you know real close to putting some distance between them and the Ducks. And like you said, they're dealing from a position of strength um, when Anaheim has, you know, is choosing to move Botman out uh, of the defense there. Um, it, you know, they needed something up front. They're also picking up a third round pick in, in next year's draft as well. So that's, that's a nice piece to have and a prospect in the deal. So, um, I, I see what Anaheim's doing. They see the West is is possibly starting to to creep away a little bit, and you know, scoring goal scoring is you know what they're going for in this, and, and I like it from Anaheim's perspective. And you know, getting a, a dynamic puck mover up over to New Jersey, they're, they're they've shown that they're all in, and and they're trying to capitalize on their their start to the season. And I think Bonin will be a nice piece for New Jersey. So um, it, right now, I say win-win. I say good hockey trade. Absolutely. So next week is our last show of 2017. We'll be back the first Saturday in 2018. And next week is just me and Mark, and we're going to go through each division, talk a little bit about each team, where everyone's at, what, they, what we like, what we don't like, questions, answers, uh, go through the four divisions, and uh, – uh, so that will be, you know, that's next week's show. So, uh, and then we'll take a little holiday break and be back, uh, uh, first Saturday in January. So, and we working on a number of good guests in January, uh, in January as well. Yep. Going to be doing a lot of traveling here for the holidays. I'm going to try and hit, uh, three States and three weekends. If we can make that work out. Um, I've got family kind of all over the place and we're going to, we're going to see if we can't do the full rounds this year. Um, you got to take time to spend with your family, uh, whether you can afford it or, or whatever, uh, cause you never know, you know, what, what could happen down the road. So we're going to try and, we're going to try and make the rounds this year. I don't know if I'm going to get to all three. Um, I know you guys are all listening to the show, so we're going to, we're going to hopefully to put this together. Um, so we'll, we'll put this thing to bed for 2017, uh, with a nice bow tie under the tree next week. Um, and then, and then we'll be off for the holidays and we'll be back after the new year. So, uh, uh, we'll get into the well wishes and stuff next week at the end of the show, but, uh, everybody have a good holidays. If you, you're not able to join us next week, we, we hope everybody has a safe and happy holidays wherever they are. Um, you, you guys and find our show uh, this week. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, just, just look for us on iTunes. Uh, right here at our blog talk radio, blog talk radio forward slash Vegas hockey podcast, iTunes, Vegas hockey podcast, all one word, uh, SoundCloud forward slash Vegas hockey podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter for links to all our shows and, and Chris's eyes on Isles talk content whenever I can get it retweeted at Vegas hockey pod as well. Uh, Russ, Russ Cohen's kind enough to host our show on the sports out sportsology SoundCloud forward, SoundCloud forward slash sportsology as well as Grandstand Sportsnet and thehockeywriters.com. We're all over the place. So just check check us out and subscribe on the iTunes page and SoundCloud and Blog Talk Radio and, and never miss an episode. 
So this week, Vegas just uh, finished up the show, home to Arizona and Arizona, and then a trip to Nash, trip to Nashville. So let's uh, let's let's say the goal is to get two wins this week, beat Arizona yeah. at home, and then and get uh, get one of Anaheim and Nashville. I like that. It's, you know, that was a tough kind of a tough schedule break. Uh, Dallas obviously wanted a little bit of payback and came in came in played a great. Great road game. Got two goals in the last minute of the, of the second period, and and that was that was it. Pretty much nothing. Uh, the Knights couldn't crack Bishop, so the Dallas got their payback. And then Minnesota, Winnipeg back to back. That's kind of a, you know that's a little brutal. That's tough. Uh, that's tough. Uh, so and and you know they had a good they had a good run at, at Winnipeg last night. There's a, it was Winnipeg got the first one, but then. You know, the Knights came back with two to take a 2-1 lead and, and scored a power play goal to go up 3-1. That gets disallowed from a very, very close offsides call. Um, and that changed the momentum of the game. Winnipeg got one rather quickly and three more, uh, make it a 5-2 game, and Winnipeg goes on to the 7-4 victory. But uh, up until that disallowed goal, Vegas was definitely hanging with Winnipeg for sure. Um, so, so Winnipeg gets their payback. Yeah, 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 and and the Knights were right there. Knights were right there. So Winnipeg gets their payback. Dallas gets their payback. Um, tough, tough week, but they'll rebound. That's one thing this Knights team has shown it's been able to do is 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 rebound and come back even within games, being able to score, you know, answering goals in a timely fashion without letting it stretch on. That um, they're one of the best in the league at that. So. So two wins this week, um, I think, will be a nice nice week for the Knights, especially if they can get the Arizona-Anaheim double, and that would put them at 7-1 and one against the division, I believe, uh, all all four-point games, obviously. So if they if they can get the two, uh, Arizona-Anaheim, and, and get 7-1 get against the division, that's going to be huge. So that, that's what I'm looking for this week from the Golden Knights. Yep, that sounds like a that sounds like a plan. Well, uh, looking forward to next Saturday and and uh, for our hundred and first episode. Absolutely, absolutely. So with that, we're going to wrap this up for Chris on Mark, and we're gone.